podcaster passionate about empowering youth to raise their voices and tell their stories. On Global Youth Matters, they tell their stories in their own voices on their own terms. They have faced life challenges, social, emotional, health, physical, economic, political, and more. They've gone through rough times and have come out on the other side. Get ready because they'll blow your mind. I'm going to let them talk because their voices matter on Global Youth Matters. Hi, this is Hena, and I'm here with Sibi, a tennis player who I'd love from the Ivory Coast, who I'd love to just like introduce yourself for a minute. Hi, my name is Sibi Sumahoro from the Ivory Coast, uh, 21 years old. I play currently tennis, and we really want to say thank you to Hannah for doing all of this. I'm very grateful for doing this interview and share my story with, um, with everyone. Oh, we're thankful to have you here today. So I would just love to to give us some background on how you got interested in tennis and when you got interested in tennis. And I started tennis at the age of when I was seven. I was playing soccer before, but when I stopped soccer, because I, I was watching a lot of tennis on TV, I was very curious about the sport and I was curious about how to count the point and how to win the point. So one day, a friend of my dad who was the CEO of uh, a tennis academy in my home country, um, my dad came to me and said, hey, do you want to play tennis? I said, yeah, the sport that I always watch on TV. And uh, at that time, I used to watch uh, Roger Federer and a few videos of Agassi, and there's a lot of people, different, I mean, old players. And uh, I got pretty interested, and I was like, yeah, I would love to to try it. And I actually tried it, and I, I loved it right away. And that's how everything just, just went. Yeah, and you, you told me that, you know, I understand that it was always not so easy, right, Yeah, yeah. to do that. If you could tell me some of, some of the challenges that you, you had playing tennis. Yeah, so um, starting playing tennis, I, I started and within two weeks, everything started be getting hard at the point where I was actually catching interest to the sport. But with that being said, that means my parents would have to obviously – contribute and try to like afford tennis racket shoes a lot of equipment because a lot of coaches so a lot of the potential in me they were telling my dad hey this kid is improving really fast and it sounds like he's very into the sport so you have to like pay by this by that and, and but at that time it was pretty tough uh, it's pretty tough for my parents because my country has like those limited resources in my country so it's not easy for parent to be able to like afford the tennis racket and clothes and shoes and at that time my mom was selling she used to sell peanut on the street and uh, my dad was an entrepreneur he used to make house furniture but he was just making house furniture and just put it out there in the street and when people like it and they just stop by and just buy some that's how my parent was making livings so it was pretty hard for me to it was hard for them to afford tennis racket and outfit and clothes for me to be able to play. I used to go to practice with soccer outfits and I can wear the same socks, the same pair of socks for about two months in a row. I'm still playing it. The socks become, there's like holes in it and everything, but I still wear them and go and play. With shoes, I was have weak. I use the same shoes for about two or three months, even though there's holes in it, but we use other stuff to just like cover the bottom of the shoe to be able to go to practice because it was pretty tough for parents. Because most of my friends used to stay home saying that, oh, we don't have shoes to go to practice today. Um, my mom didn't buy me a racket, so I cannot go to practice today. But me, I was I was so determined to keep playing. I, I mean, I love the sport so much that I couldn't even 
imagine one day missing practice. I couldn't even dream about me staying home and missing practice for even a day. I couldn't do that at all. So I would always find a way to go to practice. And my mom used to beg me every day. And I was going at 6 a.m. in the morning. I would just start practice at 9. But 6 a.m. in the morning, I wanted to play so bad that 6 a.m. I wake up, I just go straight to practice. My mom used to beg me, hey, today, please stay home. In the weekend, please stay. Because we usually practice three times a week. The coaches, but I, I was going there every single day. And some of the coaches, they used to even kick me, say, hey, no, like, go, go home. No practice today. But I will still stay around and just, they let me stay around. And I'll just play, 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 play. My mom used to beg me, please stay home today. You don't have shoes, please. We don't have money to buy you shoes. We don't have money to buy you clothes. We don't have money to buy you tennis racket. So what are you going to play with? Just please stay home. So I just... As soon as they leave to go to to go to work, I would just instantly leave my house and just run to the academy and just I just show up to the academy and I remember obviously I didn't have racket and a lot of we couldn't at that time we couldn't really borrow rackets with of any anybody's racket. So I remember I just went out and looking at I was looking at the, the trash because a lot of coaches used to they used to throw some they used to throw away like old racket in the trash an old string and dead string. So I grabbed the racket by myself and I grabbed a couple of strings and I went home that night and I was stringing the racket by myself. I strung it and I came the next day to practice with the, with the same racket. And a lot of my friends and a lot of coaches were just um, laughing and making fun and saying, how, like, this is not how it works. That's not how you build a tennis racket. That's not how you do it. So I was like, well, but I'm just trying to play. It was tough in the beginning dealing with um, with all of that. And I even even nowadays, my mom still has the same racket because when I was young, she kept it and she told me that one day that she will show the media and she will show anybody like the, my first ever racket ever. And since that day, um, I remember my coach, the guy who trained me, his name is Kulibali Jodoni. So he's the one seeing me every day, just coming to the academy because I wasn't finding, I couldn't, make any excuse to stay home, no matter what he knows, no matter what, I will still show up to practice and try to play, even with sleepers or whatever. I will still come. So one day he decided to actually buy me a racket and uh, he decided to motivate me, buy me a few pair of shoes, but we could only afford one shoes every three months because my parents couldn't make that much money. But one uh, one um, shoes every three months, tennis string, and especially the tennis grip, we use the tennis grip. As soon as the grip goes bad, we just take the grip and we just I wash the grip with my own hand. I just wash the grip and I, I let it dry and I put it back on a racket. And we have some members of the academy that used to come and play. And those members, sometimes they don't really use the grip. They can use the grip only like twice. So as soon as they put the grip in the trash, I just go quick. I just grab the grip and I go and wash it again to be able to reuse it and to have more grip. Within a month, I won my first tournament on my age. At that time, I was I was turning eight. And uh, I won my first tournament at that age. And that's how, I mean, with my parents, things start getting a lot better with, over time. They will be able to afford me a couple of pair of shoes, sometimes a racket. And the tournaments that I used to play and I win those tournaments, sometimes they give they give a um, racket as prize or string or tennis balls 
like prices. And uh, that's how we're just able to improve every day and we're just using that. And for us, having a new tennis string, for me, having a new tennis string or a new tennis racket, a new pair of shoes was like finding gold and it was the best thing that could ever happen to you. So, and I remember at that time where we turned 14, we played a lot of tournaments. We turned 14. There was 32 kids in my academy where I grew up. It was 32 kids. One day my coach told me, he told us during practice that he was like, hey, let me tell you something. Uh, tennis is like a pyramid. The pyramid, there is a lot at the bottom and just a few remains on top. And uh, I told him, well, at the end of practice, I went to him. And his son was also doing practice. But at the end of practice, I went to him and I told him, hey, coach, I, I want to be on top and I'll be the one on top. And he told me, well, you can do it if you want it. Just, you, it's not going to be easy. Work hard and just believe in it. And I started at a very young age. I think what really saved me at a really young age, I, I was so determined in the sport that even when we go to everything, Everything that we do, sometimes we used to run 10 miles for fitness. We used to go to the beach to run the sand, to practice in the sand with, our, with my coaching. As soon as he comes, he can be like, hey, guys, put your shoes on. We're going to the beach to run and do fitness. We, a lot of us, I mean, we, a lot of us, we didn't like it because it was so painful. But every time we just go there, I always, always try to be on top. And that's something that a lot of my teammates know about me. I will never let any of them just pass me. I will make sure I was always finishing first place. As I said, there was 32 of us at the academy, but over time, a lot of us started to give up because the challenge was very, the challenge was real. It was tough for the parent as well. So a lot of them was, I was, I'm going to just finding an excuse say, hey, uh, well, my parent cannot afford this anymore and this and, and we cannot play tennis. So from 32, we went down, the number went down, down until there was like only five of us remaining. And at the same time, I used to, I told my mom and one day I was like, mom, I know this is tough for you, but I am doing this for a reason. And I watch tennis on TV all the time and I see Rafa, Roger Federer, all these professional tennis players, and this is who I want to be. So I'm willing to do anything I can in my power. And the day... I actually um, make my dream come a reality. I'm going to help my family to get out of the poverty, and I'm also going to help all of these kids as back home or anywhere in the world that are struggling financially or the, those kids that don't have what I also didn't have in the past. Just give them the opportunity to have all these things to, instead of not finding excuse to, and to stay home and be able to like practice every day. So I told my mom that, well, I want to be a professional tennis player. And at that age, I was just 30, I was just, uh, I think I was just 11 years old at that time. So they know that it was, it was pretty tough. And when I told them that, well, my mom and my dad, they sat in front of me and they told me, well, we know that it's tough for us financially. We can't afford it, but we will do it. Inshallah, we will do it for you. We're going to, we're going to do our best to, provide for you and for your for your sport because you really show a lot of effort and that's something that I say that I didn't really find an excuse because I was telling myself every day 
I said, if I stay home and waiting for my parents to buy me a pair of shoes before I go to practice or to buy me a racket before I go to practice, that's so much time that I'm wasting. And as just as a kid, I couldn't even, I couldn't stand one day without practicing. So I couldn't even, that couldn't even go through my mind that I'm going to miss one day of practice. I would, I would get sick just for missing one day of practice. So I told my parents, well, I'm going to go to practice until my shoes are gone, until I will even go to practice with sleepers, until they will see all the progress and all the determination that I'm, I'm, I'm giving and I'm putting into the sport to be able to, to, uh, to accomplish my dream, to make my dream come true. Until one day they're going to be looking at me and they're going to say, ha, um, our son is actually making a lot of effort and let's actually help him, help him and support him in this career and to help him make his dream come a reality. And that's how everything just went. But it's been a struggle since that, that whole journey, but the struggle has become less and less and less struggle because we get, were getting older and things started to become a lot easier with rackets and then sometimes people helping us, buying us rackets and, and shoes and all this material for us to be able to, to practice. So at that time, we just... We got aged in um, 16, 15, 16, 17 years old. I was just, everything was just about getting better to make my dream become a reality, my dream become, come true. Since 11, when I was 11, that's what I told, I said that I was watching tennis on TV and I'm do, I was doing a lot of uh, researches. I saw apparently not even a single player from, um, Africa's ever won a Grand Slam tournament. And uh, at that time, I was watching a lot of Roger Federer raising a Grand Slam trophy that I, I truly remember tonight. Was a, he was at Wimbledon raising a trophy. And uh, I saw him, and that really inspired me. And I said to myself, I, I want to be like this guy. I, I want to look like him, and I want to be able to, because I know if I accomplish, I make this dream become a reality, I can make a lot of th- things change for my family and for other people as well. And that was when I was 11 years old. And since that day, I took my dream from heart and just kept going until when I was 16. And I knew that in order to improve, because we, we started playing junior ITF and junior international, at that age, I knew that if I want to get better, I would have to go to travel to the United States or in Europe, because that's where the level was. It was high. The level was really high and good quality of training and everything else. The reason why I say that is because my country was so small and there wasn't many tournaments. I could count the amount of players in my country. If you ask someone how many players are are there in the Ivory Coast, I know every single player from the Ivory Coast. Compared to the U.S., it's such a huge country. There's colleges and high school and also like you you never someone can ask you how many players in the United States they're gonna tell you there's thousands and thousands of players but in my country maybe the maximum there was only my age my group age there was maximum maybe fifty players or thirty or forty players. I knew all of them. What happened was I knew that I need to travel be international in the in the United States or in the uh, or in Europe to be able to get better. So at that age, after playing a couple of junior ITF, I told my parents that I want to move to the U.S. I want to go to the United States in order to get better because I watched the U.S. Open and all this tournament, and that's where the real improvement, that's if I want to get better and make my dream come to reality, I have to go there. 
So my dad and my mom, as they, they heard me say that, well, they told me, well, first of all, us in Africa is not easy for us. And especially going to the United States, it's going to be very expensive, especially the flight and other expenses and everything else. It's going to be super hard. But as they promised me since I was a kid, they said that they're going to be, they're going to provide for me. They're going to do everything to the power and to get me, to help me to get to where I want to go. And that's exactly what they did. They said, okay, since that's what you want to do, and especially you look, you sounds like you have a plan because you know that you have to go to the United States. You have to play this type of tournament in order to improve, in order to accomplish your dream. So well, we follow you and we'll guide you as well. So I started to take some TOEFL tests and SAT because I, I was doing a lot of research. I had to go to the United States to play tennis. And I found a lot of results playing in get, getting recruited by academies in the United States or colleges. So I went through the pro- I went through the process and taking some tests and work on my English and taking some English class. And I did all the process until I remember I used to go to the embassy. I used to do to go to go to the embassy to the library at the embassy of the United States in Ivory Coast to study English. I go to the embassy. I grab a few books to learn English and I'll also I go to the advisor, the student advisor that the embassy of the United States in Africa to ask them questions and they will also guide me and give me direction. The embassy was about nine miles away from where I live. It was just it was just walking. It was about an hour and a half walk uh, away from where um, I was living. I just sometimes my dad used to drop me or sometimes he doesn't have uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna be. Uh, he's not gonna stay, take the same road as me to go to the embassy. So I would just go by myself and just work there every single day. I even I was willing to. I was willing to even miss practice and miss hanging out with friends. I would just go right away to the embassy to study English. And my friend used to ask me, "Well, why, why do you go every time to the embassy?" But I kept it as my secret. I was like, "No, no, no. I just." go to do research and just say research about what I'm like, no, 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 like, don't worry, just nothing. I'm just, I just need to go there. And that's why I was just hiding my secret about going to the United States and my plan, obviously, because I didn't want any, anybody to know about what I was doing unless, uh, except my parents and my coach. Going to the embassy every day. Sometimes I miss, in the middle of practice, my dad would come and pick me up, hey, you got to go right now. And the reason why I was willing to miss practice was that because I had a plan and my plan was to see, uh, of course, I have to study English. I have to be fluent, take a test and pass the test. And the test, I'll get a score. And if I get a high enough score, I'll be able to uh, apply to any academy in the United States or be able to go to anywhere to the United States where they will give me a visa in order to come to the United States. And that's exactly what I did and everything. And I got it. I got the test. I got recruited. One of the biggest challenges that came to my road was... I remember well, every day I was going to the embassy to see the student advisor. I remember like it was yesterday. One day, it sounds like they really didn't want to show me the way and how to apply to get recruited. I think she was just, I will say, I'm, I, I really thank her because she built me by doing that because she made me 
go do my own researches and how to come to Madison and get recruited. And I remember I was crying. I was born and crying. And I called my dad. I was like, hey, dad, like, no one wants to help me, apparently. Like, this is because every day walking there and like sitting in the library doing research and research, and I couldn't find anything. I was like, no one could help me. But my dad just told me, hey, I'm going to come pick you up. It's okay. Keep keep looking. Keep looking. My, bar, my dad is a very positive guy. He will always support me. He would never give up ever. And that's how he raised me as well. He said, keep looking until you'll find it. And then obviously I was crying. He came and picked me up. We went home. And that night I stayed up until 2 a.m. in the morning, just on a laptop, just looking, searching, searching, applying, applying, applying to millions of different places, different academy and, 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 and university and, and stuff. And then it was at 5 a.m. I actually got a message of... Um, that I got recruited at 5 a.m. And I woke up and I woke up. My mom, my dad, they were, they were sleeping. I woke them up and I told them they knew I was so happy. And then from from now, from that time, we just went on and starting all the process of doing the, the test, the, 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 uh, the English test to see what score I'm going to get in order to qualify for um, the recruit process. And we did it and I actually did it. And they sent me the visa. They sent me the visa. It was one of the best days of my life because we have to go to an interview to get a visa. I was very stressful, but I was always confident and I always believed that if I put in the work, I will get rewarded. So one part of me was telling me, well, I think you got it, you got it. And one part of me was like, well, just I was stressful. One part of me was stressful, but I went, I went ahead and I actually got it. I called my mom. We were very happy about it. And they sent me the visa, and we have to buy to pay for a flight ticket to go to the United States. Well, the flight ticket at the time, even until now, the flight is about $2,000. And when I say that, it was tough because of there's different currency, United States dollars, and in my country, they use CFA. So the currency was different. Obviously, the dollars were pretty heavy than compared to back home. So $2,000 is about $1 million CFA in my country. And for someone to make $1 million in my country, I mean, my parents couldn't make $1 million even if you give them a year. They couldn't. My dad wasn't making that in even two years. He couldn't make that. So, like, well, how are we going to find $1 million to help you travel to the United States? But we just kept looking and I kept looking and we had a, a few people that was helping us and that helped us. We have a, a guy that at the academy, a member of the academy, he was very generous and I used to play, I used to hit with him and he really liked me. He's the one who actually, I actually went ahead and talked to him and I said, I really need help with this and that. He saw me and he said, well, he sees all the effort that I made and he will actually buy me the ticket to go to the United States. And he's the one who bought it for me. And then I came into the United States to try to pursue my dream. Wow. That's amazing. There's so much determination that you had from a young age. And I mean, just if you had to advise other kids, how did you keep that focus? And I remember uh, you told me a story about the other kids who were trying to earn money on the side and you still, you kept that focus. And what was it? What would you tell, you know, another kid in your position? What would you advise them? Yeah, so if there's any kid in my position, I would say that one thing that really helped me because I had um, a vision. I have a vision of playing professional tennis and well, winning a Grand Slam. And that, like, that was my goal. And that goal was like a picture that was sitting in my mind 
I had a vision every day I was going to practice. I had a vision every day. And for me, what I will tell them is really have a plan uh, what you want. If you have a dream, have a plan. Obviously, it's not easy if the you know, parents are struggling. But for me, the advice I would give them is do not find any excuse to say my parents are struggling, my parents are struggling, they cannot afford me a racket. If they cannot afford you a racket, go in the street, even if you have to use a piece of wood to hit against the wall, just use it because someone out there will see you and will want to help you and buy your racket. And that's how determined I was and that's how I was thinking. I do not find any excuse. Have a, a plan of what you want to do Focus on your dream. Do leave all the distraction. Like hanging out with friends, it's fine hanging out with friends. But if you can use that time to go and practice to get better and better and better, because that's the only thing I was looking for to get just to get better. And uh, obviously, I had my dream in my mind all the time. As you said, as I said, I have a picture in your mind. I have a vision. Like I, I think I, um, I almost um, as there's something that they call law of attraction. And I think I was attracting everything because I see my dream and I was attracting everything else around me. And that's how I would tell them to just focus on what they truly want. And the challenge is that once you follow a path, there will be a lot of challenges. Like my friend, when I was with them at 13 years old, we used to go to the, there was an academy that was just a mile away from my home academy. We used to go there and just pick up balls for other members. Because we're being like ball boys, like being ball boys for all the members. And those members, at the end of, when they're done hitting for the hour, they'll just give give us like $1, $2. And obviously, it wasn't a lot. $1, $2 is not a lot. But for a 13-year-old kid or 14-year-old kid, we see that we think it's a huge amount. Because at the end of the day, we can have $10 with us or $15 with them. We just go to store, buy toys, candies, and buy all this. Well, we're happy because we think that we have money. But... At some point, I was just standing there and I said, well, this is not what I want to do in my life. And I honestly do not know what what happened because I don't know where all of these thoughts were coming from when I was such a young age. I don't know where these thoughts were coming from, to be honest. But I would just, I would just sit by myself and just have a self-talk with myself. And I would say, well, I have a dream. I have a goal. Like This is not what I want to do. I don't want to just spend my whole life here picking up balls, be a ball boy for this member and giving out $3. And maybe I could be practicing and try to get better. I could be practicing right now and someone is hard for my parents. Yes, $10 will help our family or our parents at that time. $10 or $5 will help them to buy lunch or free, you know, some meals for the day. By the end of the day, I say, well, it's not... I prefer sacrifice the time that I will use to buy my parents for lunch and, and, uh, and dinner, a few lunch and dinner. I prefer sacrifice that time and go to practice to get better because once I make my dream become a reality, I will be able to buy them 1,000 times what I could do at that when I was 13 years old. Because once I make my dream become a reality, I'll be able, be able to buy them even a whole restaurant, to build a restaurant for them, and they will eat until until they'll eat whatever they want. And that's how I was thinking. And I told my friend, I was like, hey, guys, we have to start coming here. Honestly, we have to go to practice. Let's go to practice, please. Because our coach, Kulibali Jordan, he used to use his own the money from his own pocket to feed us at noon. Because we practice in the morning, we'll, go, we'll take a break at noon, and we'll come back in the afternoon to practice again. So he used to feed us out of his own pocket, the money that he makes, feed all 
all of the kids at the academy. So I was like, we have to, he really count on us because he's doing it because he knows that we can be champions one day. We really have to wake up and stop coming here just for money. And we're too young. And I told him, one of my, a lot of, all of them was like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, you're right, let's go to practice. But the next day, I start seeing one of my friends, he was just hiding because to go to the other academy, you have, you have to cross the street of our, or my home academy. So I saw someone was just hiding in his backpack on his bag and were just running, running because he didn't want me to see them or something. But I saw him. But I was when I saw him, I was a little bit disappointed. And I told him, I, I was saying like, well, you're doing that to yourself. And I just don't want us to go there again because we're just stepping away from our dream and our goals. So that's why I didn't want us to go there anymore. But they didn't listen to me, obviously. For me, on my side, I was like, well, I'm not getting any more. I'm not getting those $10 anymore, those $15 anymore. They might think that, well, for them it feels good because now they're always there every day. They're having $15, $10 every day. For me, I was just going to practice, 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 and I, was getting, I wasn't earning anything. So for me, obviously, as a kid, you might think it's tough. Well, your friends are now, they have money to go buy all of the stores. They don't even have to rely on their parents. They, have to, they can buy a meal for their parents and all of this. But... It was tough mentally, but at the end of the day, I knew that for a long term, my path or the path that I choose, I knew it was going to pay off uh, for a long term because what they were doing, I knew it was just for a short period of time and it will, it, will, it will destroy us. What they were doing, I knew it would not be good for us. So as a kid, the advice that I can give to kids is that really don't focus on the money when you're really young. Focus on your purpose and why you're doing what you're doing right now. Just focus on that. Put the money away. People will offer you money. And don't focus on the money, honestly, because it will distract you. Because as a kid, once you see a, ton, a lot of money in your hand, you really get distracted because you see all the opportunity, all the things that you can buy with that. And it's a distraction. And to be honest, focus on your own path. Think about the long term. Don't think about the short term. The, sh- the money will give you happiness for the short term, but what about the long term? What do you really want? And that's how I was thinking about the long term. And that's what I follow. I follow my path and I listen to myself and I decided I chose the long term. It was hard. Practice was painful. It was hard, but for a long term, it actually paid off. Yeah, that's really impressive. And there's uh, so much to look up to you, so much for children and a lot of people to look up to you. And, you know, some of the lessons I also hear is you you listen to yourself a lot, which is, you know, you could connect and you have a lot of strength and that you had a vision and you stuck to your vision. Also, that you weren't afraid to ask for help, which is really important, right? And key moments in your life. I think those are really important. And then you also mentioned that when you were young, you used to watch TV. So it's almost seeing the possibility in other people, right? That's that served as as something important. Yeah, I think just uh, it's really wonderful what you've been able to do, and this determination is really quite impressive. And I know it'll impress a lot of young people. And in our conversation, you had mentioned, and I wanted to bring this up because I hope that again we will put our law of attraction out there that you're here and there are some challenges that you have as well in terms of taking things to the next level. So you talked a little bit about possibly attracting some more fundraising to allow you to continue on your path. Maybe we're going to attach to this podcast, we hope to attach some kind of like GoFundMe page to help continue 
to be following his dreams, you know. But I wonder, is is there anything else that you would like to add before we close? Well, I'll just mention that I don't know if you will allow me to speak about um, the other challenges that I'm facing right now. I mean, right now, I mean, after I came here, obviously training at GTCC Academy. And by the I got to GTCC Academy because everything starting during the pandemic, during the pandemic at GTCC Academy, I remember I didn't have any place to go at that time. So I called my dad and my dad told me that, don't worry, we're going to find you a place where you can go. And my dad reached out to one of his friends in France and that his friend, he knows somebody here in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, Alexandria, that have a place and has a room and actually where I could stay with him. So then I went there and stayed with him for, I think, for uh, three weeks. And I was just going out and practice by myself. I was just going out there and practice by myself. And it was during the pandemic. Because, and it was during the pandemic, so it was when COVID was pretty, it was pretty bad. And we couldn't really leave the house at all. Like, the far we could go just to the grocery store. And I just go to the backyard and just put cones and do my exercise, fitness, try to um, do some shadow swing with my, my, uh, my front and back and to be able to practice. And one day, well, he told me that, well, he's, I think his lease ended and he was supposed to go and live somewhere else. But where he was going, he couldn't take me there with him. That friend, he couldn't take me there with him. So it was three days before the month end, and he came up to me and he said, hey, um, he, we're going to have, I will have to find another place to go because in three days we have to leave uh, the apartment. And I, I only had, I think, $70 worth in, in my pocket at that moment. What happened was, I said, well, I only have three days. I wish you would have told me that a while ago, but now I only have three days. And so I knew there was a kid that I met. I met his, his parents and I met him and I met his parents. I used to hit with him during COVID and practice with him. And his parents are the one who booked. They came after the three days passed. They came and picked me up. His dad just called me, "Hey, just don't worry. Just grab yourself and just come up. Come with us." That's why his dad just told me. I was like, "Oh, okay." And they went ahead and they got me an Airbnb somewhere in uh, Washington D.C. And I was staying at that Airbnb at that moment. And while I'm at that Airbnb, I just go ahead and go to practice every day at a park called Mount Vernon High School. I used to go because I had tennis court. I used to go to Mount Vernon High School and just play and hit serves and. Practice and then that's where I met Kelly Syke, one of my coach. He's one of the coach at GTCC Academy. I met him there, and two two weeks he decided to help me because I was just serving, and he just came up to me and said, "Hey, I would love to help you with your serve." And I said, "Yeah, sure." And we be, we became friends like that, and he's the one who brought me to GTCC Academy. But one of the challenges that I'm we're facing right now is just that right now I'm able to practice there and having fitness too and it's amazing and the, one of the challenges we're having is with tournaments because I couldn't afford um, many tournaments by my own because I also have other expenses to take care of so it was hard to afford uh, it is hard to afford tournament maybe one tournament every two months and it's just hard to keep going but as I know myself since the beginning I know a little bit where I come from and everything that I've done until I'm here today so I'm also learn from that and just keep it going and and expect that one day it's going to change. Yeah, that's that's amazing. 
that's the determination that you have that is so in- inspirational. So thank you, Sibi Sumaharo. This was an amazing story, extremely inspirational. And we are just waiting to see you on TV out there with a, <laughs> and I'm sure we will. So there's a GoFund link in the description of this podcast. Please go there and click it. All right. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. This is the Global Youth Matters podcast. We hope you'll subscribe or follow us at Apple Podcast or your favorite pod platform. We would really appreciate it if you leave us a positive review, especially on Apple. This helps us build an audience. Finally, we want to hear from you. You can reach us by email at globalyouthmatters at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.